Well, good morning, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Um, so this is going to be the last week, and then we're going to take a break for the holidays. And then I am sorry. When do we start up again, Jim? Seventh and eighth. So seventh at uh, Northview, eighth here. Um, and we'll get kicked off for the ne next semester uh, on the eighth. Let's pray, guys, and then we'll get started. Dearly Father, Lord, we are so grateful for this morning. Um, we're just so, I, I just am so thankful for all these guys that continually show up because they want to be taught. They want to be fed by you, Lord. The humbleness, the centering on you, putting you at the center of their lives. God, that is a humbling thing. But when we give up our control, that is when you do amazing things. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you for these guys. Thank you for this morning. Um, and we just look forward to hearing uh, what this year has been like for guys, the impact it's had so far. And we just are eager for the future as well. Uh, we want more of you in every way that we can. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this time. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so this morning, men, we're going to um, go through some material. I'm going I'm to run through the slides real quick, just go through some terms, some definitions, and whatnot, and then we're going to turn it over to Steve and hear a portion of his story, which I'm extremely excited about. You're a good man and a good friend. So, It'd be great. Mm -hmm. So what I want to do is just wrap up our semester, guys. So why did we study story? That's a really important question. Um, and it all starts with... It's a journey of the heart, okay? So one thing I was blown away by, <clears throat> heart was mentioned 862 times in the Bible and 175 times in the New Testament. I think it's pretty important, right? We all need to look at our hearts. And why? Because that's what Jesus did. So look at this quote in 1 Samuel. Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So important. And guys, for those of us who have been born again, we are a new creation in Christ. Our flesh, unfortunately, is still there. And we need to kill it. We need to beat it up. We need to bruise it up every single day, every day. But if we look into our heart, we see, we see our flesh. We see sin in our heart. And that's part of this journey, that heart awareness, that journey. It's about going deep and seeing what's really there. But at the core of who we are is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But on that journey, what well, we find is sin, right? So John Piper has a great definition of sin here that I love. Sinning is any feeling or thought or speech or action that comes from a heart that does not treasure God over all other things. And the bottom of sin, the root of all sinning is such a heart, a heart that prefers anything above God, a heart that does not treasure God over all other person and all other things. Anything but God, right? That's sin. And once we take a deep dive into our heart, we see that. We see how broken we are, man. So if there's one key for this entire semester, why we are doing this, obviously looking at the heart, we want to we wanna know Jesus better. But what we're really on is a journey of repentance and faith. We are continually repenting. Remember, we get a tap on one shoulder. We need to repent and turn in faith. We have the other one right here, right? Grace is right here every day. So repentance is turning away from sin. So one way I love to think about it is my, my eyes will wander anywhere, right? Anywhere. If it's not on Jesus, I need to turn. I need to repent. I need to look square into his eyes. That's repentance. And it takes faith. But Jesus talked about we only need faith the size of a mustard seed. And the reason being, 
Because if we have Jesus, we have everything we need. We only need a little faith. Does that make sense? Amen? That's all we need is our Lord. Just a little bit of faith. A little bit of faith. Repent. But we have to start with a humble heart. The parable of the soils, I think, are keys. Jesus says, if you get this, you get the kingdom. It's all about our heart. Our heart needs to be tilled up. Our heart needs to be receptive to that seed. Right? 30, 60, 100-fold return. It's, it's all about our heart. So remember when John the Baptist came, repent, right? The kingdom of heaven is here. What did, what's the first thing Jesus said when he was ministering? Repent. The kingdom is at hand, right? The kingdom's here. We need to repent. What are we repenting from? Well, we got to look at our heart and see what's there, right? That's this whole journey of looking at story, guys. That's why we do this. <clears throat> so we have to start with that humility. Be broken. Be humble, okay? Humility is the first step. So when Jesus was at the Sermon on the Mount, the first thing he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. We need to be poor in spirit. Think about Isaiah. He had that moment when he was looking square at the Lord. He, he had that vision, and he's looking right at the Lord, and he is wrecked. He says, I am undone. When we look at our Lord and see how beautiful, how wonderful, how holy our God is a consuming fire, when we see that, all that's left is I am undone. That is humility. That is contrite. That is brokenness. And then what happened to Isaiah, remember? They took a coal from the altar and touched him. He was cleansed. He repented. He was humble. He repented. He was cleansed. And then he was sent. That's us, guys. That's the gospel in the Old Testament right there. Right? That's where we need to be. And that's the whole reason we're going through this, this semester. Repentance and faith starts with humility. Okay? And why do we look at our past? So, Stephen and I have been talking a lot about this. We're talking to guys in our men's group. There's a couple, of, couple things that have come up about our past. Number one, why do we go through this story stuff, core lies, core truth? I'm, I'm not a victim. I don't, I don't want to be a victim. I'm not a victim, right? That's one. So, guys, we have been victimized. I know, Steve, you're going to talk about this a lot. There are things in our past we've been wounded. We have been victimized. But beneath that, a layer beneath that, how do we react to that sin, right? How do we react to the brokenness in life? We are agents. We are responsible for how we respond, right? So being sinned against is not an excuse. We are originally at our core just like our father Adam, okay? But the other thing that we hear a lot, and please speak to this if, if you want, why am I bringing up stuff that's already under the blood? Why am I bringing up stuff from my past, guys? And it's not to drum up past sins. It's to once again go on that journey to see what's there so we can get that glimpse, just like Isaiah, of who we really are in our flesh and what our core sin is and how we need to own that, just like him and Eve had to own that. We don't want to just look at, at Adam as someone on a page. We want to look at Adam and say, that's me. And if we get there, we get a whole nother level of the cross of Jesus Christ and we get a whole nother level of his beauty and what he did for us. We gotta see how wicked and we, ugly we are in our flesh first. Not to beat ourselves up, but to continually repent. Are you with me? We good? All right, so that comes to our core sin once again. I think if you boil it down, Adam and Eve believed something that wasn't true about God, but that's self-deception. They wanted to believe something untrue about God because before that, they wanted to be like God or they wanted autonomy or they didn't want to be dependent on God. That's what we do. And the more we can go on that journey and see that's what we do, our will is broken. We want to believe those serp that serpent's lies. We want to be separate from God. 
And as soon as we can recognize that a little more quickly, a little more clearly in the moment every day, we can truly repent in a deep way that just wrecks us and be undone and cling and run to our Lord and Savior. We are not victims, but in him, we are a new creation. We can do all things through him who strengthens us. That's it right there. That's why we talk about story. And I'm sure there's so much more I don't even have a clue about yet. I'm on my journey just like you guys, and I'm a wreck just like you guys are. I'm assuming you guys are. Many of you are ahead of me. There's a lot of pain, a lot of brokenness in my heart, a lot of repenting I need to do. But with all that being said, guys, this is the foundation of our discipleship, our repentance and faith in our Lord, right? So we've been going through this in our group. Um, I know Stephen's really been stirred up by a lot of this, and I'm just blown away by his leadership, his humility, his repentance, and it would be a pleasure if we could um, hear from you today. So um, if we could just start with kind of like the short version of your story and where the Lord's been moving. Yeah. I, just, I love that piece of the, the layers because, um, you know, we process through our stories and some of you guys, like me, have done this a lot of times or in a lot of ways in your um, have, we keep thinking about it and keep reflecting, but I'm amazed how many times God reveals something and helps me see just something I was just was not aware of at all. And um, I think for me, going through story, I came through some of the youth group here and um, in college was still plugged in and then started on staff working. And in some of those times when I was in college and I'm kind of just helping out part-time, started to unpack some of these things for the first time, and I knew my sin and had always talked about those things and um, trying to understand these actions and struggles that I had, but it wasn't until we started going through story stuff and talking about the motivations that were underneath that that I ever recognized any of that pain, any of that um, struggle that was underneath it. Um, so I think for me, I would, have, would boil it down to, I would express my core lie as a statement, um, I feel like a little boy posing as an adult. And there's this fear, this underlying fear that that's going to be exposed, that people are going to see this little boy that's here um, trying to, to keep up with all the responsibilities and um, things that I need to be handling in life and feeling like I can't do it. Um, so the picture that I think of is a little kid who's driving a car and not big enough to, to reach the pedals and see over the dash at the same time. So I'm constantly trying to, all right, I got to get down here and hit the brake and then got to get back up to see what I'm doing and trying to, trying to control everything. But it just, it feels like this constant panic, this constant pressure of, I got to keep this thing going, but who knows if this thing's going to crash at any moment and it's going to be exposed who's truly behind the wheel of this thing. Um, that, that fear, that um, anxiety and pressure that stirs up, recognizing that that was so much of the fuel behind struggle with sin. It would create this energy and a desire for relief. And so I would recognize that pull in my life so many times of in the midst of responsibility, I want relief. I feel like this thing's gonna collapse and I just wanna be free from this. So as I moved forward into life, I move into marriage. Well, all of a sudden now I'm a husband 
And I have things to be responsible for there that just feel way over my head. Or we start, started having kids, and I'm just a little boy. I can't handle being a parent. I need to be parented myself. And um, so these pulls towards relief, and um, it can go in a thousand different directions, but it's all of that surface sin that goes. And for me, um, that's where, like, my a struggle with um, sexual sin would be, you know, that's where it would want to go a lot of times um, to just say, all right, hey, I want to click here. I want to, and all those things just whispering relief, that it can be a relief from all this pressure, all of this um, anxiety. So recognizing that core lie, recognizing those pieces and saying, okay, what is the truth that God would say in that? Is this how God sees me? Um, and that would bring, uh, to be able to cling to that, helped to me to unpack and to understand that a little bit more. Um, but I think what I've been wrestling through, and as Jim and I have been talking through this, there's some pieces of my core lie that don't feel like a lie. Um, because as I look at my life, I see a lot of these things and a lot of the things that I feel frustrated about myself and um, how I how I do life and what I can do. I'm just like, no, I am weak. Like, I feel weak, but that doesn't feel like a lie, and I don't know how to repent of being weak. So I know how to repent of this stuff, and I um, am processing through this, okay, this is not how God sees me, but... The reality is I don't feel like I can handle um, these responsibilities. I still feel like I'm in over my head, and what am I supposed to do with that? Where am I supposed to go? That energy was still stirring, and I think that's the place where I kind of felt stuck of how do I move towards repentance in the midst of this. Yeah, so really what does repentance look like for you in the midst of that understanding and that struggle in the moment? Yeah, it was, um, I think it almost ended up being something that, I mean, obviously just God helping expose the next layer of my heart. And um, so there was the, the core lie and, um, okay, this core truth, but feeling like that wasn't, I was missing something. And to continue to reflect, continue to think through my story, continue to think what's going on underneath the surface, um, and for God to keep driving it there, helping me to see that there's more that you need to repent of in this. And um, like that first step of, yeah, you've got all these surface sins, but there's something underneath this that's driving it, that there's another piece underneath that that you need to see, um, that you need to repent of. And I think what that looked like for me um, came, you know, we were having, I was having some discussions with Jim and just talking through frustration with my own heart, frustration with um, sin and just continuing to struggle and see this and what does this look like and what's going on underneath the surface. Um, but the phrase that, I think God brought to my mind is, are you willing to be weak so that I can be glorified? And I really did not like that statement. I really did not like 
the thought of that, that maybe this is exactly where God wants me to be because um, it's not where I want to be. And I think ultimately what it came down to was I have, okay, this core lie that I'm a little boy posing as an adult, the core truth that that's not how God sees me, that that's not where my identity lies and my value. But I could speak that truth into the core lie that that's not how God sees me, that doesn't determine his value of me, that doesn't determine my place as his son or all those things. But ultimately, my hang-up was with myself, that I'm not okay with being that person. I'm not okay with um, being weak, with being uh, needy, with being dependent on God. And really that exposed for me a heart that says, God, I don't want to have to need you. I don't want to be the kind of person that can't do life if I don't have you in my life. Um, and I, the, it's one of those things that I think I, you know, I always know sin in these categories, but to finally, for the first time in my life, I think be exposed to the part of my heart that would say, I hate you, God. I hate you. I don't want you in my life. And ultimately, the energy that was underneath all of that pushback on weakness, all of that hatred of being somebody who has to come back to God and say, I can't do this without you. I need grace. I need to repent. I need these things was a heart that says, God, I wish I didn't have you. I wish I didn't need you in my life. Um, that was a very uh, humbling and just broken place to face that and see that. Um, it's much different than seeing, okay, God, I, I love other things more than I love you. You know, yeah, I, I love you, God, but I see these things and they get in the way and I, I really wish I, I would love you more than I love these things. I think that's kind of how I always saw my sin rather than a layer that says, God, if there was a way to cut you out of my life and still make life work, I would take that. And ultimately, starting to see that that's what was happening in the garden. Like when the serpent offered um, Eve the fruit and was tempting her with the fruit, he was not offering her anything that she didn't already have. You know, to be like God... They were already created in the image of God to be like God, that you will not die. Well, that's what God had already promised them. He had given them a life free of death. And to know good and evil, God had told them, here's what is good. This is what you are not to do. He had set the boundaries. Everything that they had been offered, they already had. But what the serpent offered was, now you can have this and cut God out of the loop. And that's what my heart was desiring, was in Christ, I can be valued. In Christ, I can be significant. I can have what it takes to step in as a husband, as a dad. But I want to be able to have that apart from you, God. I want to be able to have that on my own and be my own God unto myself. And to be able to look at God and say, in that moment, recognize that I hate you because you're God and I'm not. Um, and that's, that's my heart. 
Um, and in that brokenness, in that humility of that point, I think what, was, what felt freeing in that was to finally see that this is why this is why this has been so ugly. This is why this has been driving me so far. It, it finally helped me feel more unstuck in the midst of that sin because this is what I can repent of. This is what I can come down to. And when I'm feeling all this stuff up here, I kept coming down layers and still feeling like a victim. Like, okay, yeah, I know I shouldn't do this and I can, I can do these things, but ultimately who I am is weak and I didn't feel like I could go anywhere with that. I don't like that. I hate that. But I can't change that, and I don't know how to repent of that. But to hit that place that says, the core of my issue is not that I'm weak. It's that I demand, and I demand a life where I can be separate from God. And so now when I see those things, to be able to connect the dots down, and whatever, you know, if it's, feeling a, a pull to click on this or to look at that or feeling um, frustration and anger with my wife over something or insecurity in this area and wanting to hide all of those things to be able to trace it back and say the core of that is I have a heart that hates God, but I can repent of that and claim a new heart that loves God that he has given me that says, you know what? I want to honor you. And if that means being weak, if that means um, being in this place where I just need to depend on you, then that's what it's going to be. So there was a moment, um, Steve and I were talking, we're talking through this, and this is obviously a God moment. The Holy Spirit was bringing stuff to your mind. And I remember talking to you, and all of a sudden something clicked. And you saw in an instant that weakness and can you let us in a little bit on that weakness and what really was going on in your soul? And you, when you saw there was an inner rage there mm -hmm. and what you actually said and what you were really aware that you were feeling at the, at the depth of your flesh. Yeah, I think, so I think it's that piece of then reflecting on the ugliness and feeling all the emotion of the the pain the wounds the just um yeah just all that negative stuff that's going on inside i think what what made the difference or what forced me there is just staying in the midst of that i think a lot of times i wanted to okay here's the core truth and i can try to put that in and that should fix everything that I feel weak, but, but God loves me anyways. Um, and just, it felt kind of like a Band-Aid, but it wasn't addressing what was underneath that. And so staying with that emotion and why is this here? What is going on underneath that? And um, as I kind of, rather than trying to push that away, just kind of let that build and let that unpack as I'm talking with Jim and he's asking questions, um, the phrase that came to my mind was, how dare you? And thinking about God and how he has put me together, this is how he, I have been made. How dare you make me like this? How dare you shape my life to be a, one that's so weak, that's so um, unable to handle these things? Why would you choose this for me? Why would you do this? And I think it was 
kind of scraping off of those layers of emotion to finally hit that point. And um, I think there was something about saying it out loud, just saying those words that helped me to see that that is not how you talk to a God you love. That's not how you talk to um, a God that you believe is for you and a God that... Um, that I would say, yes, has come to rescue me and calls me his son. Um, it exposed that place of, of hatred towards God. And um, in each of those things, to say that the emotion that's behind it, um, needing to stay in that, and I just, it's uncomfortable, it's, it's painful, um, but that's where I think I'm being helped in this. Going through our stories can can be frustrating, can be painful, can be shaming and difficult or whatever. But it was, for me, needing to stay in that process, needing to allow the emotions to be as ugly as they are, needing to allow the pain that I felt be as ugly as it is, to expose why there was so much energy behind that, why there was so much um, ugliness in that, is because there are deeper layers to this sin that I haven't seen. And I'm sure there's still deeper layers that I still haven't seen um, that are gonna, God's going to continue to reveal for me. Um, but to be, able to, to be able to see that and then repent. Um, and I think that was one of the biggest things that I'm so grateful for in this process is um, being able to see that repentance as a gift. Because it's not that I'm any more broken or God sees me as any more broken. That, this was there all the time. But for me to recognize it and grieve it because I know that's not who I want to be and that's not who God has redeemed me to be. I have a heart that hates God, but as much as I feel that, I can also sense this other heart that says, no, that's, that's not who I want to be. Um, and to be able to have a true sense of that, a real sense of that, that grieves. I remember being in that moment of, um, if I have a heart that hates God, if that is at the core of who I am, then there's absolutely nothing I can do to change this. There's absolutely nothing I can do to, to take a step towards God other than to cry out to him for a new heart. A heart that hates God isn't going to be like, oh, okay, well, maybe I love these things more than you. Yeah, maybe you are worth loving. I think I kind of felt like in that, I just, I have to be convinced. I have to, to change my affections a little bit more to where God tips the scales. But it's, no, it's, I want nothing to do with you, God. Then the only thing that's going to rescue that is for Jesus to die in my place, to take the hell that I deserved and to say, here is a new heart that instead of hating me, um, actually loves me. Um, I think one other piece would be the victim thing. I, as I reflected through things, um, there'd be these wounds that we, you know, we talk about the wounds and wins and I would look at these wounds that I would feel and a lot, a lot of ways I'm just like, who am I to talk about wounds? I had... I've been so blessed in my life, and yet there's these things that I felt wounded by. And I, would, I was able to process stuff with my dad, and it was awesome to be able to talk through those types of things. Um, and as a kid, what 
you can't see it any other way than as a kid. You know, how else can you process it? And it, so it's helpful for me to go back as an adult and, and look at those things and reframe them and, and see them through different eyes and to see that, okay, yeah, this doesn't define who you are, and yet there's this grieving of, of these wounds that's legitimate. I am truly a victim, but not knowing necessarily where to go with that, and it felt like some of the ways that was at the core of those things. What do I do with those places where I am truly a victim? And I think what is helpful for me in that is that where I truly am a victim will, in a lot of ways, most truly reveal where I'm at at the core underneath that. Those places where I am wrongly hurt, where I am unjustly suffering, those places are going to expose where do I move in that moment. Because if I am coming from a foundation underneath that, an agency underneath that that says, this is my father who loves me, who gave himself for me, who is all sufficient for me. So if I am being unjustly hurt, if I am suffering, then I would run towards God. If I believe that, if that's where I'm at, then I'm going to move towards God in the midst of that and be comforted by him and be um, satisfied by him in the midst of that suffering. But what was happening so many times instead of that was my heart that hates God was just using those wounds as a way to justify my rejection of him. Um, to, yes, be truly a victim, but as truly a victim for that to be a reason to say, yep, see, God, this is why I don't want you to be a part of my life. This is just another reason to demonstrate why I should be able to control my own life and be in charge of my own life. Um, and that just exposing a place that at the core, I am exactly like Adam and Eve. And if I was in that garden and I was offered the chance to say, you can have everything you have now, but cut God out of the picture. Yeah, that's, that's what I want. That's what I'm going to go for. Um, and to be able to repent of that and find the freedom on the other side of that has been a huge gift. Thank you. It's a huge gift to hear you and your uh, courage to really just lay it out there. Thank you. So Thank you. as we're wrapping up this talk here real quick, can you kind of take this home for us? And how do we as men apply this? So in the moment, we get that tap. How does the truth of knowing who we are in our flesh, how can we, you know, go to war against that tap? Or maybe how, how does this realization help you win that battle a little bit more, 51%? Mm-hmm. Um, I really think I would say repentance in that, that... Um, to me, the greatest gift of this process is repentance. And repentance is always our first step towards God. Um, we, we desire to be closer to God. We desire to move towards God. Repentance is always that first step. Um, because if we're not close to God, that means we're turned the other way. Um, so to find those areas, to, to recognize those places of repentance, um, and repentance brings freedom. When I can repent of these sins that are, that are more core, it robs the energy of all the places where my sin wants to take over and all these other things. And the deeper I can move with that, the deeper God helps me to see that and repent of it and allow him to forgive and heal, the less it's, it's going to um, be demonstrated in all these other places. Um, so the gift of repentance 
and for that to be my motivation to continue to reflect on my story. Because um, I think there were those places where it's just like, all right, I've gone through this, I've talked through this, and, and it can kind of feel like, why am, I, why am I still trying to process this? Where am I, what am I aiming for? What am I trying to get to? Um, to know that there's always more layers. There's always deeper places. And God is giving us the gift through his spirit of revealing our sin. And he reveals it layer by layer by layer so that at, at each place we can recognize it, face it, own it, and repent and receive his love and grace and forgiveness and find freedom and joy in that. Um, that's, that would be, that's where I feel God inviting me and to, to delight in what he's given me in this part of the process and know that there's going to be more layers that in 10 years I'm going to have a, new pieces that are saying, wow, man, that is a part of my heart and I have to own it um, and turn from that, but that God is using that process to, to free me and help me to be more like him. So as you guys are processing or as you are feeling those stagnant points or those blocks, um, that would be my encouragement and just direction. There are places that God wants to invite you to repent and to continue to listen, to continue to reflect. And as you move through it, God's going to help you to see those places. And there is joy and freedom on the other side of those. Each time we hit those, each layer that we hit, there's joy and freedom that God wants to offer us through repentance. Amen. You guys, if there's one thing we want you to hear, it all comes back to Jesus. When we see the depth of that sin, it's just like the Holy Spirit shining a spotlight on him and how wonderful he is and how he gets all the credit and all the glory. This just drives us closer to him and helps us to fall deeper in love with him when we see how wretched we are in our flesh. And I think that's the beauty of what Stephen's talking about is he's seeing more and more of what Jesus really did on that cross. Mm -hmm. And when he rose from the dead, what he did for us, it is finished, done. Our experience, right? There's a discrepancy from the truth and what we see in our life, right? There's a battle. The world of flesh and the devil are resisting every walk of being transformed by the renewing of our mind, to being transformed into Christ's likeness. We're in a battle, man. It's tough down here. But we have the Holy Spirit. We have the Trinity. And John's Gospel talks about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are in us. Greater is he in us than is in the world. We have him, the Lion of Judah, in us. So, Amen. So guys, if we wrap this up as we take this home, Stephen said a wonderful thing too. Something happened when I spoke it. We need to be in community. We need to bring this out. We need to bring it into the light. And guys, we have an opportunity to do this in groups, right? We have an opportunity February 15th to share our story. Please come, right? Please come. Please invite men to come in two, three weeks from now to men's ministry. We all need an invitation. We all need to be brought into this redemptive community. There isn't a man that wouldn't be blessed by being around a bunch of fellow believers in our Lord. Okay? So um, we're going to have a lot less group time today, obviously, so my apologies. But I want to take this opportunity to do what we always do at the end of the semester and brag on Jesus a little bit. So, guys, Matt, if you can come up, we're going to just pass the mic around. 
as you feel the Lord bringing something to your mind, no pressure, but just brag on Jesus. What have, you, what have you seen him do in your life? How has he brought you into deeper repentance and faith? How have you seen him move in your group? Let's give him credit and give him the glory. So we're gonna just pass the mic around and feel free. Someone be the first guy to just stand up, okay? Who will be first? Thanks, Steve, by the way. That was tremendous. Thank you. Transparency, being known. Woo! So what's turn for you guys? What have you, what has God been doing in your life this semester? What has your group been going through, talking about how have you grown? How has God challenged you? Um, We'd just love to hear you. The reason we do this is because it's helpful. It's helpful to one another. We, we are encouraged. I mean, who wasn't encouraged hearing Stephen talk about how God has met him and humbled him? And It's hard, but it's good. So who else? would love to hear from you. Let's finish this semester strong, go into the break, take a little time, and come back. Maybe I need to call on somebody. <laughs> you see, you need to turn your lights on. I can't. <laughs> I was going to say this in my small group, but I guess I'll say it here. I don't know if we're going to get an opportunity to, to meet in small groups. Um, what I've learned is past uh, semester with my small group is, number one, I shared with them that I don't measure up. That's my core lie, I don't measure up. That's probably, you all relate to that. The thing that I'm learning is that my core truth is that I don't measure up. Now, how can that be that I don't measure up on the one hand and I don't measure up on the other hand? And uh, I think that the, the bottom line on that is um, it's not who I am that I don't measure up. It's the fact that that happened to me that I don't measure up. But my core truth is really through Christ. Um, I don't measure up, but he accepts me the way I am. And, and so I'm okay with not measuring up now. Whereas in the past, as a child, not measuring up, I was not okay with it. So... Uh, I just praise the Lord that um, he's done it at me. Thanks, Jack. So apparently I need to clean my glasses this morning, so wave really hard if I'm not seeing you. <laughs> or borrow Jack's jacket. <laughs> it's been a good semester. Talk about our stories. It's good material. I appreciate things that we've already talked about. It's made me take a hard look at, at my own story in different ways. And that's what it's supposed to do. Anybody else? Just share a little bit about something you learned or how group was meaningful, impactful.
Mr. Heim in the back. He's become a back row Baptist now. Uh, I think something that I've really learned and been challenged by this semester is uh, how Jim has been used by God to draw other men into this whole ministry and to hear from these guys and to hear them share uh, their stories and be used by God to lead us. So I, I think it's really remarkable how many men have been up front and really thought through this. Stephen, you're excellent. I think it was just so helpful for us to think about how we really do have a fist at God in our flesh. And yet the deepest truth is we want God. So that's very encouraging to me and appreciate uh, the leadership here this semester and how other men are stepping in. That's good. That's good. So true, too. Thank you, all you guys. Very impactful, very meaningful. Anyone else? Man in the back. This is my exercise for the day. Yes, I'd just like to, uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, my throat, uh, uh, give Jesus a credit for what's happened in my life. He has taken me uh, over the past 20 years from a place where I was peering into the abyss, uh, thinking about killing myself, addicted to drugs and alcohol. My life was falling apart. Uh, my partners in business and uh, were um, thinking about getting rid of me. And he took my feet out of that pit and put me on solid ground. And uh, over, I look back over the years and I'm amazed at the reconciliation that's taken place. Uh, um, I uh, love what Steve said this morning. You know, my problem is not that I love money or I love, uh, I lust, or it's not those original sins. It's that I want to be God. And uh, he took me to a place and showed me where, it, where I headed when I was trying to be God. And it was not a pretty place. Like Steve said, it was ugly. And uh, I'm just here to say that I can boast in his accomplishment in my uh, life with uh, the restoration of my marriage, the restoration of my uh, relationships with the children. He has taken every broken part of my life and begun to heal it. And it's a continuing process. And I am just so grateful to him today. Uh, for what he's done in my life. Thank you. That is fantastic. Thank you. That was worth it to be here this morning, just to hear that. Thank you so much. Change happens, guys. Context of groups. Good morning. Um, this is my, uh, I think, 11th, 11th year now of coming to men's groups, and um, when I started at this church, my uh, kids were five, four, and you know, not even quite one years old yet. And uh, yeah, I really appreciated being a part of these groups, having a chance to lead these groups. And uh, we talk about next steps at this church. And um, my 16-year-old son, I, uh, he's a junior. 
he's going to be coming to men's group starting in January now and uh, invited him to come for this series. And I remember thinking back when I first did men's fraternity, boy, I wish I'd had this stuff when I was a kid. And I felt convicted to um, start inviting my three sons as they get to uh, kind of senior high school level here. And um, and so I just asked for your help in that. Uh, I've invited him. I'm, he'll be a part of our group, but, you know, I might might ask him to sit in at one of your other groups too, just to get to know different men in this church because I've so appreciated uh, uh, all this group's been able to give to me and my family. So thank you. I love that, Jeff. That's a great. Think about that, passing what we're learning onto the next generation. That's change. That's powerful. Inviting in to see the brokenness of ourselves. We model brokenness to our kids. Are you kidding me? That's going to be huge. Anything else, guys? It's been very good. Uh, This guy, what is his name? Thank you. I, I just want to say what the Lord's been doing in my heart this semester. So just being here with you, man, going through this story material, just having him peel back layers in my own heart and seeing, just like Stephen is seeing, just how wicked my sin is. And at the same time, I mean, who's been through a wall? You know what I mean? When, you, when I say you're going through a wall in life, who knows what I mean by that? You're going through a painful period. I'm in a wall right now, guys. I'm in a wall, and, it, and it's pain. Like Matt said in the sermon, there's, there's three ways we can go. We can go to pity, right? And what was, that? what was the other one? Pity, and then what was the other end? Power, right? Or we can go right to pain. That's where we meet Jesus. And I, I can't tell you, through every man a warrior, just pouring that, that word into my heart and the community there in context of story, man, the Lord is meeting me right there. He's meeting me. And... I would not be where I I am right now if it wasn't for you good men speaking truth into my life and me seeing Jesus in you. So this community, this church, through the Holy Spirit and my Lord, I'm a different man today than I was even yesterday. So I just want to encourage you men, you are changing lives. You're changing mine. So thank you. We'll give it one more minute. Might be having a thought stirring, might be thinking about something. Give you one more minute, opportunity. But then we can go to groups and finish off this semester this year in your groups. Yeah, you're going to hear from the cook. tell you about the cook, uh, why he is important. Uh, my father used to be a railroad um, freight agent, and uh, the Trappist monks in a nearby Massachusetts had a, a fire in their monastery, and so they had to move out of there to get the monastery renovated, and uh, they went to the western part of our uh, township of Burrowville, and uh, the monks would have to come in uh, 
to the um, station uh, to get packages that were, you know, sent to them from other places. And uh, my my dog Binky uh, did not like the monks. They had these long cassocks and they had a cowl up on top. You know, they they kind of looked like uh, spooky guys. And uh, he always growled at them, and my father would make Binky go uh, under the desk so they wouldn't, he wouldn't hurt the monks. One day a monk came in, and uh, Binky didn't growl. And so my father did the business with the, with the monk, and then he said to him, uh, I don't understand it. Binky's not uh, coming after you. And, uh, and he says, I know, I'm the cook. <laughs> so anyway, <clears throat> we have been telling our stories, and I've told my story many times here. And um, I think the most, uh, well, just to tell you what, it, real quickly, uh, my course in, is envy, in one word. Uh, my core lie is I'm not really a man, and I can never be one. Uh, so we can tell our stories back and forth. A lot of people in uh, psychology, they tell their stories all the time. But the problem with that is they never merge their story with God's story. And so that is something that we all must do. Um, so what's the recipe? Recipe is the Word of God, then the Spirit of God, and then the people of God. Well, you can be in the Word of God, and it can be an intellectual exercise. There are a lot of Bible scholars who are, you know, jerks. They don't really take the Word of God and make it come into their heart and change them, change their heart. Uh, so the thing is, uh, to have the Spirit of God take that Word and, and really teach it to you in a spiritual way, okay? Not intellectual, but spiritual. And so, uh, how do you do that? Well, you have to be in the temple of the true God, and Jesus said to the Pharisees, uh, I'm going to destroy the present temple in Jerusalem, and I'm going to rebuild it in three days. And it's here. The whole pile of temples over there. The whole pile of temples over here. Yeah. We all got a temple, and we can go to it in, in two seconds flat. And uh, we can be in that temple any time, any time of the day. 
I was just thinking about sometimes I can't fall asleep at night, so why not go to the temple? It's a wonderful time to do it, right? I think probably God says to me, Don, you can't sleep, so I want to talk to you. He uses a East Coast accent. I want to talk. I want to talk to you. So anyway, my advice to all of you guys, my brothers here in Christ at Blightville, go to the temple. Go often because your, your goodness, your holiness, your righteousness is going to poop out. We don't, we don't keep it. We, it. It's not like, like you get it, you know, you get it back in uh, 1998 and then you, you, you never lose it. No. Satan is always after you to, to get you back into his side. So you have to go to the temple often. It's like vitamin C. You don't store it. And so um, that's just uh, my advice uh, to you. And then you can find and use your core truth. My core truth is that God designed me and he constructed me in a beautiful way. He gifted me to be in his service. And so that, you know, takes my core sin and my core lie and, and, and kicks them out of my life forever. Okay. Thank you, Don. That's going to be my new phrase. Don't poop out. Don't poop out. Don't take that. We're going to have that break. Don't poop out, okay? All right, guys, we're, we have a little bit of time. Maybe you, some of you guys have to leave, and that's okay. Um, but uh, if you want to get back and get into your group for a little bit, touch base before you go, then that'd be great. Um, I'm going to have Jim come back up here. But thank you so much. This has just been a great semester. Thank you, man. Guys, this has been wonderful. This has been such a, a pleasure, such a privilege to be with you. Enjoy your holiday season. Enjoy your family time. Draw near to the Lord as he draws near to you, okay? Thank you, men. Thank you.